You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Fair Game podcast. So glad you could join us today. This is Fair Game number 315. Today's guest is the current board chair for IFE and is the president and CEO of the Eastern States Exposition in West Springfield, Massachusetts. Here to talk about the big E's, Gene Cassidy. Gene, welcome to the show. Thanks, Robert. It's great to be here. So tell us about the big E. When do you guys run? What's your attendance look like? So we run uh, uh, this year. It'll be September 17th through October 3rd. We always open the second Friday after Labor Day, so we kind of float with the with the Labor Day holiday. Uh, our tenants here at the Eastern States, so more commonly known during our fair as the Big E, uh, is just over a million six hundred thousand people. Uh, with 17 days, it's a lot of a lot of people for sure. Um, we we are 105 years old this year, and we've been so we've been we've been at this a long time. Uh, of course, uh, we know we were closed a couple of times during the First World War, Second World War, and of course, the worldwide pandemic known as COVID-19 also knocked us on our heels for sure. It sure did. It sure did. So it sounds like, I mean, you get a lot of people in there. Uh, if a family if a family was new to your area and called you up and said, you know, we've never been to the Big E before, what would you recommend a day at your event look like for them? Wow, that's a great, a great question. I, I'm, I'm really lucky. I'm like the luckiest guy in, in, in North America, maybe the world. Uh, I was born and raised within walking distance of the my office at the Eastern State, and um, and so it's really easy for somebody like me to take uh, a day at the Big E for granted. But there's so much to do that in order to really make your time time well spent, uh, you, you need to go to the BigE.com and plan your day because there's so much to do and see here. Uh, we have uh, replicas of the original uh, state houses of the six New England states. They're scale replicas. They're big, magnificent, beautiful. The architecture is actually is so stunning. Um, they were built uh, between 1919 and 1932. And uh, the buildings were built using perspective, which you find uh, at Disney. Yep. So the buildings are very, very large, but they look even bigger than they are because of the way they were constructed. Uh, this It's the only place in the United States where one state actually owns deeded property with inside the boundaries of another state. So when you're on the property of the Vermont building where the Vermont State House is, you know, we like to say you're, you're in Vermont. So you can walk through the six New England states in about 10 minutes. Uh, just <laughs> make it, you know, make a beeline from 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 Rhode Island all the way up to New Hampshire. Uh, so it's the state buildings alone, they feature uh, some of the the, the great uh, resources of each of the New England states, and they could be resources in manufacturing, uh, resources in education, uh, resources in crafts, uh, resources in commodities. So potatoes in Maine, maple syrup in Vermont seafood in, in Rhode Island or Connecticut or maybe Massachusetts, uh, the, 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 the uh, wood uh, crafting industry, obviously uh, the, the, the Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire are known for their forests. So uh, you can spend, really you could spend a whole day just uh, in the state, the six state buildings. Wow. Uh, then on top of that, uh, 
uh, we also have something very unique, uh, again, in, in the United States, maybe the world. Uh, Helen Storrow uh, was a woman who was, was actually sat on the board of directors of the Eastern States. So think about this. Uh, in 1916, when we were uh, we had our first fair, uh, there was a, a woman on our board of directors. Now, in this day and age, you know people don't think twice about that. But you go back 105 years, you'd be hard pressed to find a company that had a, had a woman on its board of directors. And it kind of shows the progressive nature of of the agriculturalist, the farmer, and the people who founded uh, the Eastern States Exposition. But Mrs. Storrow uh, did something really remarkable. Uh, she was in charge of what they called the home department. So it was her responsibility to educate women uh, on how to vote, on how to drive. Uh, back in those days, you know, we didn't have Social Security. Uh, some women had pensions maybe for their husbands who died in the First World War, but some didn't. So uh, they were taught how to, uh, to uh, make skills at which they could, they could earn a living, beekeeping, embroidery. Uh, seamstress, that sort of thing. So uh, Mrs. Storro set out, uh, uh, Mr. Brooks, who was the founder of the Eastern States, challenged her to build a permanent installation where the home department could function. So what Mrs. Storro did was she hired uh, what at the time, a fellow last, by the last name of Chapman. Uh, he was an architect from Boston and he was a, a, a world-renowned architect, and the two of them traveled throughout New England, and they found buildings that were in bad bad repair, okay. uh, were churches, meeting houses, uh, mansions, law firms, uh, a tavern, a blacksmith shop, a school bill, a, a brick schoolhouse, and they bought these buildings, and they disassembled them from where they were, and it was the first time in the history of the United States that a building had been disassembled and then reassembled in a different location. And she created wow. Storiton Village. So we have a, a, a beautiful and unique uh, New England village on our property. It's very large, it's nine buildings. Uh, the the uh, barns and buildings date from the, from the late 18th and early 19th century. And uh, they were all rebuilt here uh, exactly as they were in their original locations. Uh, and that became the home department. And it's still, it's a fabulous, interesting place. And again, it's a place where a fairgoer and their family could spend an entire day. So it sounds like if someone was to call you up and say, hey, what should a day at the Big E look like? Your first answer is really going to be, well, it, it needs to be two or three days, really, because yeah, there's so much at your event. Yeah, when I was a young child, my, you know, the fairgrounds are laid out kind of unique too because uh, the midway, the carnival operation, the rides, which you know attracts you know a lot of people, obviously, um, they were placed in a location where a family could bring their kids, and the kids would never know the rides were here. So I didn't, I didn't, as a child, I didn't know that there were rides at the at the Big E. My parents kept us away from that. They were so smart. I didn't really know about <laughs> they that. They kept you I, on the other side of the fairgrounds. <laughs> exactly. So I, we didn't know there were rides here until I was about ten years old. Uh, but we have some. We have a North American Midway Entertainment name. They're they're one of the biggest uh, carnival producers in the country in the northern North America. Yeah, we just uh, had it, Scooter on the show recently. Oh, so he's he's a pinch, great guy. Yeah, a gifted photographer. Really, really. I, mean, I don't know if he talked about that on the show, but the guy's a gifted photographer. Uh, and a great uh, logistics operator too, but they bring the rides and they're fabulous. 
we do advertise them. So we try to make uh, people aware that they're here, but we have a fabulous number of rides and games for the kids and, and you know, food, food has become uh, entertainment uh, in the 21st century. And uh, we have some of the best fair food uh, in North America. Yeah, food definitely has become a uh, an anchor for our events. You know, you mentioned back when you were a kid going to the Big E, and you never realized that there were rides there. Uh, I mean, imagine years later, you're the president and CEO of the of the event. How did you come to be with the Big E? A great story. I mean, I think it's great. I, I hope I hope the listeners do too. Um, again, you know from the office that I occupy, I, I could walk to the house I was born and raised in. And um, my grandfather had a, had a school bus company uh, that was located near the fairgrounds. And when we were young, we used to park uh, cars at, at, at the bus terminal. So I always had this affiliation with the fair from the time I was really quite small. And, um, and I went on, I, I graduated from a local college, Western New England University here in, in Springfield. And I went to work for a CPA firm, KPMG, big firm. Uh, and the Eastern States was actually one of my clients uh, when I worked for the accounting firm. So I had the privilege. I did the, I did the audit here a couple of times. I did the tax return here a few times. Um, and then years later, uh, a board member from the Eastern States who I knew, uh, again, somebody who was local, somebody who I knew since I was from my childhood, he, uh, he convinced me to, to, uh, to take the job as the CFO. And I, and I had worked in a very regulated industry, uh, you know, in, in public accounting. And I thought, well, it's kind of a, and I thought I knew the Big E because after all, I've been here my whole life, right? I came and, you know, we, I never paid to get it. We always snuck in. <laughs> and I said, you know, as I, got, as I got older and I was too old to sneak in, I had to go to work here so I could get a free ticket. Um, so I, I, I was a CFO for about uh, 17 years, and I've been the CEO now for the past uh, nine. Uh, I've been here 28 years, so however that works out. Uh, but I, I came, uh, I thought I came just to kind of test it out, see, see what it's really like. And I've been here now for 28 years. And it's nothing like I thought it was. Uh, I didn't really understand what the biggie was as a patron, as a young person, as a patron. I didn't understand it as their accountant uh, from the accounting firm until I came to work here. And, I, and, I, and the value that we add to our regional economy, to national agriculture, uh, and to the way of life in, in, the, in the propagation of what you know I like to call the American way of life, uh, what we do for uh, the wholesome sort of nature of families and individuals uh, who participate in, in, in the fairs, I think is quite remarkable for all of the fair industry, not just for us. So what's something that you know now that would have been helpful uh, when you first got started at the Big E? Um, <laughs> altruism. Uh, you know, we're a 501c3. Uh, we give back, uh, particularly to the agriculturalists uh, farming here uh, in the Northeast, but really all of the Eastern states particularly New England. We support our uh, region, uh, commerce and commerce and industry. Um, when I, I, uh, I was a businessman who uh, they needed at the time because altruism, if you know, as a nonprofit, it's hard sometimes to 
have your constituents understand that if 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 you you have to, you have to make a profit in order to sustain yourself. We're a very large fair, the fifth largest fair in North America. We receive zero subsidy from the taxpayers of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. So it's so, entirely on you to make your event. Exactly. If we don't earn it, we can't do it. If we don't earn it, we can't sustain it. We can't maintain it. And that's very difficult because uh, we, when we were founded, we were founded by people who uh, really wanted to do good. And all of them were very wealthy people. And so when the fair had a, had a bumpy road or a rainy fair, or they needed a barn built, or they needed something repaired, these people would get together and they would underwrite uh, through philanthropy, uh, its development or repair. Uh, but in the past 40 years, we've not, we don't have that type of constituent in our, our board body any longer. So we have to earn it. And uh, I think I came at the right time because we, we've been successful. Just getting us through the pandemic has been extraordinarily difficult, as one might imagine. I mentioned how we had been closed before for both the First and Second World Wars. But during that time, uh, the, the war, U.S. De war Department rented the, the campus and it was used as a depot for um, army supplies, uh, for medical supplies. Got it. So and the fair still generated revenue at those yeah, times. We had a handsome Uncle Sam was, was generous to us in those days for sure. Sure. Let's take a quick look back here at, uh, at 2020. Obviously, it hit all of us um, incredibly hard. Uh, once that thing was declared in March of 20, you know, Houston canceled, South by Southwest and Austin was canceled and all sorts of outdoor fairs and festivals just poof away they went at what point did you realize this was this was not going to clear up as quickly as some of us hoped and you guys were going to have to cancel that was a, a, a hard realization because i was in denial uh, for, for quite a while i watched uh, i watched south by southwest i was you know that, i was shocked by by their announcement um I started to see my my cohorts in the fair industry uh, shutting down. Uh, I was heavily lobbied by the small businesses that uh, participate in the fair that depend on us uh, for their for their livelihood, and uh, that had a tremendous effect on me. They you know, they were both, if you can imagine, when I say small business, it goes right across the board. So you're talking about food concessionaires on on the property. You're talking about mom and pop sign makers and, and jewelry makers and uh, you know, the t-shirt artists and, and the people who are in the craft business. Uh, but you're also talking about local uh, small business that we uh, employ. Uh, you know, we, we take our, our, our standing in our community very, very seriously. We only do local, we only do business locally. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the electricians and the and all the suppliers of product. And uh, I felt it was my responsibility to uh, to sustain ourselves and be aggressive towards opening in a, in a modified way, at least in order to, to keep that economy going. Sure. And so we never actually it's interesting that you and I are, are talking uh, today, Robert, because it was exactly a year ago today that I canceled the fair for 2020. 
Wow. So it was June 29th that you guys pulled the plug. Right. Wow. And it was very emotional for all parties concerned. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, it was a difficult uh, decision uh, for a lot of reasons. I, 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 I felt honestly that a lot of us in the public events uh, lane, not just fairs, but all public events, that we weren't standing strong enough um, to, to give people the opportunity to make the decision as to whether or not they wanted to be in public or not. You know, uh, at that point, like I say, I was in, in some denial you know, about the seriousness of the pandemic. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very difficult uh, thing to articulate. People are strongly, their, their opinions are strong on both sides uh, of the equation. Uh, but I really felt as if the economy and people's livelihoods, you know, my, I said then, you know, if, 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 if you don't get sick from the COVID virus, you're going to get financially sick. And you may not recover from either one of those maladies. Right. Yeah, it was, um, it was a heartbreaker. What, what, when you look at your community, what kind of impact did you guys canceling have on the community at large? Another great question because uh, we take, you know, very seriously a number of things. One of them I mentioned is we only do business locally. And uh, we've had the same electrical contractor for 105 years. I mean, that's how loyal we are. And it's a two-way street for sure. Collins Electric, best in the business. Uh, we employ an organization that was hatched out of the University of Massachusetts at Amherst called Regional Economic Models, Inc., REMI. REMI uh, is an economic modeling firm, and they do that for Fortune 50 corporations, international governments, big, big colleges, universities, hospital systems. So they are a world-class economic modeling firm, and they are the firm that we select to do uh, the measurement of our impact on our economy. Now, the reason I use them is because, uh, you know, I don't want to discount the, the uh, capacity of a regional, uh, say, convention and visitors bureau, or maybe a local college who could do a, an economic impact study. We use a, the, one of the best in the, in, the, in the space because I want real numbers that have real credible background behind them. Now, Re Regional Economic Models Inc. tells us that our economic impact on this region exceeds $681 million. So, you know, I'm, as an accountant, I can round that up to almost three quarters of a billion dollars, and I do. Uh, but the, the point is, uh, the livelihoods were, were affected. The, the, the coffers of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, I mean, just the taxes alone that spin off from our impact exceed $54 million. So uh, the, the ripple effect of unplugging an event, and it's all relative, you know, it's a big event like us or an event like South by Southwest by all means, but the, the, the modest local fairs, the county fairs, they have a dramatic and important impact on their regional and, and local economies that it's easy to discount those people and we sure. never should. But even a small fair that's in a small community, I mean, you you might generate, you know, 600 million, 700 million, they might only generate 2.3 million, but if they're a small community of, you know, 18,000 people, that, that's a lot of money. That's a it, lot it, of economic it, activity. 
it might even be more important than ours. Uh, again, it's it's relative to their size and, uh, and yep. their impact is consequential. Doesn't matter how big you are, that impact is consequential. It should never be overlooked. Well, we're now in uh, summer of 2021, recording this June 29th of 21. Uh, Y'all recently announced the Big E is going full speed ahead for this summer. What can you tell us about it? What will your what can your guests expect from their Big E experience this year? Well, we're we're very lucky. Uh, you know, we feel very lucky that we're going to be able to open up the gates, and have an unencumbered fair. Uh, we're going to produce the best fair ever, and that's that's my commitment every year. Uh, is to deliver on, on the best experience possible and um, and to do it in a way where people really appreciate uh, what it is they get to see and do while they're here. So we've got a tremendous lineup of great talent, most of which we give away. Uh, some, you know, the price of um, entertainment in the fair business I've seen in my career has changed dramatically. Uh, our policy was always to give entertainment away, but as entertainment goes, uh, it's, 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 it's like a college education. Uh, it's, it's, it's five times more expensive than anything else today than it was just a short time ago. So we've got a great lineup of uh, entertainment. We use a, a Mellowship Entertainment is a company that we employ. John Giuliano, who, who worked for the Eastern States for more than 30 years, he's a master at, uh, at picking uh, talent. And uh, so we got a great lineup and we've got, we're going to start with the next week, we're going to, or the week after next, we're going to announce our new foods, the new fair foods. Uh, the, I always make a joke and say the latest and greatest that's fried, but a lot of it isn't fried. Right. Uh, so, uh, but that's a lot of fun. So, you know, we, we, we have some uh, interesting things uh, to, to add to, to the fair each year. We have a really dynamic uh, car show here annually. We bring in our friends uh, locally. We, we live proximate to Wayne Carini, who was the host of Chasing Classic Cars. And uh, while we don't live proximate to this guy, uh, he's here a lot. He's become a great friend of mine personally in the fairgrounds. Uh, but Mike Brewer from Wheeler Dealers fame. Okay. And, uh, between Mike and, and, and Wayne, they have the two most watched television shows in the world on the Motor Trend. It used to be the Discovery Network. Wow. Uh, and so they will ho they host our uh, Collector Car Live uh, and uh, sometimes that can be picked up uh, nationally. Uh, uh, Wayne is good. He, he might put a clip or two on his program, Chasing Classic Cars. But it brings, it brings uh, th those two gentlemen attract some of the finest automobiles uh, in the United States. And they truck them across the, the states to bring them to West Springfield at the Big E. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, you could spend an entire day just doing that on the fairgrounds. Wow. That sounds cool. It's, cars. It's, that sounds very cool. cool, especially if you're a car person. You know, it's it's it's, right. something, it's as good as Amelia Island. Uh, nice. and, and for those in the know, they, they know what I. Mean. They know if you know, you know. Yeah. Uh, now, an event your size uh, at the Big E, you can't even get that off the ground without a great team and a lot of incredible volunteers. Can you talk about your team and your volunteers uh, and the importance of what they do for your organization? <laughs> We're really lucky. Uh, uh, at the Eastern States because uh, because of our culture, because of our, our altruism uh, in agriculture and for industry, uh, we attract really high quality people. Most of us have been here for a long time. 
So, uh, you know, I have a, our head of operations, a guy named Bob Kelly. He's been here for 49 years and he's going to retire after the fair this year, which is, a, you know, frightening thoughts to, to replace him. But we got great people, very, very tight knit group of people. Uh, there's 30 of us who occupy full-time positions. And then there's a, a quite a number of people who are uh, part-time people, very responsible jobs who've been with us forever. Uh, the average length of time somebody works at the Eastern States, even with these big retirements, exceeds 25 years. So it, it kind of speaks to the culture of the organization. I'm also very proud that, you know, we have <clears throat> to produce the fair, as you mentioned, takes a lot of, a lot of volunteers and, uh, and a lot of casual employees. We are, I think, unique in that um, each year when we open up to get people back on board for the fair, we have 97% retention. In my career, it's never been less than 97%. Wow. So there are some years when we only hire maybe 30 people uh, to, to, to run the fair because we've they're, they've already, they're already in our books. So we have, we have generational employees. We have grandparents, parents, and children and their grandchildren uh, who, who have worked. So some families here have 70 years worth of, of, of uh, connection to the fair. And I'm, I'm proud of all of them. And it's, I mean, it's humbling for me you know, to you know, a kid from West Springfield, which we call West Side. A kid from West Side, uh, you know, used to park cars and sneak. I was never an athlete, so I could never, I could never climb over the fence. I always went underneath it. <laughs> Had your buddies pull the metal up and, and exactly. the, the chain link up, and you crawled under. <laughs> but it's it's humbling for me because we've got a team of people, second to none, uh, really anywhere in the world. Yeah. Now you're currently the chair for IFE. We've seen an incredible response from the organization around COVID. Um, as the chair, what have been your goals for helping IFE and our industry navigate this crisis? You know, it's really interesting because uh, I, I hate to use the word. It's been, it's been read and said so many times this past year, but I really had to pivot. No, I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> I knew you were going to say the P word. Stop it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So my, uh, I've been involved in the industry for a long time, obviously, but the, the, my goal was to really uh, focus on agriculture in 2021. And so the, you know, our, 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 our motto for 2021 is grow fair strong. Uh, and it has agriculture uh, in the scenery. Uh, with the, and the reason I wanted to focus on agriculture is because, you know, we, Though our trade association represents uh, fairs across the world, here in the United States, uh, there is a disparate connection. Like in New England, for example, uh, agriculture is become, becoming ever less important to John Q. Public. And, uh, you know, being that I'm from New England and I had the helm of the IFE, I wanted to use the IFE as a means by which to really uh, promote agriculture and to, and to talk about agriculture to uh, the industry, because many of us in the industry are right in the middle of the ag. And so we can take agriculture for granted. Absolutely. When you get to the edges of the country, uh, whether it be the, the East Coast or the West Coast, agriculture becomes less and less important. Even, even in California, which is a tremendously large agricultural state for the world, yep. uh, you get Southern California, because you know, it's sort of the, the, the eye necessarily isn't on, 
on the on the um, on the target, which which is egg. right. So, well, and if you think of Northern California and wine country, I don't think those people look at wine as agriculture. I think they look at it as that's that's their wine, but they don't think, hey, man, we got a lot of people growing a lot of grapes out there in those fields. Yeah, that's that's a really important observation because. The John Q. Public doesn't look at it as agriculture either, but it certainly it certainly is. You know, we in the United States feed the world, and um, you know, not to prognosticate and get political too too much, but the fact is, in our lifetime, uh, uh, I think it's important that all American citizens, North American citizens, uh, particularly, uh, pay attention to to agriculture in the sense that. Uh, in our lifetime, we could see China displace us when it comes to agriculture production. They're coming quick. They're coming really quick, and I don't know that they, you know, everybody likes to beat up on the on the United States for 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 environmental issues, for this issue, for that issue. But you know what? I trust the United States to produce my food. I trust the USDA. I trust. Uh, I don't trust. You know, I I buy strawberries from Mexico, but I make sure I wash them. <laughs> um, and, 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 and that's not disparaging. I just, I just, that's just because we have a standard. Yep. We are the standard by which the rest of the world wants to try to even measure itself, but yep. they will do things to cut corners. And so USDA, I trust them and, and, uh, and they're worthy of our trust and we should be promoting them and our agriculture for sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, so I had to pivot and, uh, because of COVID, because now we found ourselves in a place where fairs economic viability was in question, you know, without a fair, if you don't have the money to run, uh, and you can't pay your bills, you can't pay your staff. Perhaps there are, are fairs that have gone out of business. Yeah. And so we, we had to really uh, rethink uh, and uh, the crew at, at the IFE in, in Springfield, Missouri did a fabulous job. Marla Calico, she's been on, but her whole team of Steve and Kate and, and Rebecca, a rock star group of people who've, who've really, they've done a tremendous good service to the industry by reaching the reaching fairs and helping them navigate through what's been a really awful time yeah i i've been um just completely uh, impressed with with how marlon that and her team have responded to this you know when we had her on the show she on her own dollars subscribed to the number of different periodicals and and medical journals and whatnot she is constantly pouring over all the latest information trying to get the most accurate information out to our membership as quickly as possible and um, you know, her dedication and, and the dedication of that team to manage their way through this has been admirable. It really has been. Absolutely. They, 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 they're going to be applauded for, for years to come. What they did during this time will be remembered forever. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. And, uh, um, you know, I hope that as we, we wind this pandemic down and we start seeing more fairs open, I know so far I was down at several fairs in Florida in the, and earlier in the spring and, I think America is ready to come back out because everything we saw in Florida were record numbers. Um, my sense is, you know, you're going to have your hands full for 17 days. Uh, I'm real hopeful this September that, that you have your hands full and, and all the folks in, in Massachusetts and in the New England area turn up for it because I think people are ready to come, 
come play again, to be social again, to ride the Ferris wheel and have a funnel cake and watch some pigs race and, and do all the amazing Americana things that we've got at our events. And, and I think you'll have, a. Um, I'm predicting, I'm sure you're looking at it too. I think you're probably going to have some record attendance for this year. I hope so. And I, and I want to really, you know, to, to all my friends in the industry, as fairs are gearing up, the ones that will be opening a little bit before we do, uh, there's a lot of nerves uh, and that's to be expected. Um, yep. But our advanced sale uh, in 2019 was the biggest we'd ever seen. And our advanced sale as of today, just minutes before I came on with you, I checked our advanced sale is up over 10% over what it was in 2019. You're already 10% up and it's June 29th. June, yeah. So we, uh, we're very, <laughs> you're I'm very still confident. over what, 70 days out, um, yeah, 80, 80, some odd, 80 yeah. days maybe. And yeah. you're 10% up already. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm very excited about it. And, you know, and, and I'm excited at the same time though. I, I my, my goal, as I said, is we, our goal is to produce the best fair ever. And, uh, we want to deliver. We want to deliver for the for the fair patron and our regional economy and, and, and the New England agriculturalist. And so that's our focus. Well, I think it'll happen. If if what we saw in Florida this spring is any indication, fairs as they get to be open in here over the next few months, they're going to have their hands full with lots of people ready to come out and, and enjoy their, uh, their events. Listen, Gene, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Before we go... Everyone who comes on the show goes through a little series of speed round questions. So I'm going to ask you six quick questions. Okay. You give me your best response to each. Are you ready? I'm ready. Favorite fair food? Uh, cheese curds, Wisconsin cheese curds. Last book you've read? Uh, again, Charles F. Murray's Coming Apart. Truck guy or car guy? Car guy. Name a fair you'd like to attend that you haven't been to yet? Uh, Puyallup, uh, Washington uh, State Fair. It runs in tandem with us. It, uh, it's a terrific fair. It really is. It was my it, first. Gonna, it'll be the it first fair first I, re- I visit when I retire. <laughs> Excellent. Yep. They were my first. When I came into the industry in 2009, they were my first major event I did, and they were fabulous. I love oh, that. That's great. Uh, a song is written about your life. Which artist would you want to sing it? Boy, he's Perry got a Como. confused look on his face right now. Perry, Perry Como. Perry Como. There you go. And last question. Favorite vacation destination? Uh, Groton Long Point, Connecticut. Gene, where can folks learn more about the Big E? TheBigE.com. Awesome. Gene Cassidy, President and CEO of the Eastern States Exposition and current chair of the IAFE. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Robert. God bless everybody, but you you in particular right now. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.